Welcome to Empathy Media, the podcast exploring empathy in action. In this edition, Anuradha Vitachi is in discussion with Robin Daly, the founder of the NGO Yes to Life. It's particularly appropriate since Empathy Media is dedicated to the memory of Boo Armstrong, who was a colleague of Robin's in their work on complementary medicine. Yes to Life is a charity offering support to people with cancer in innovative ways. When I met the founder, Robin Daly, I started by asking him how it began. It was a matter of personal experience, which I think is nearly always the way with charities, that somebody experiences some, a massive gap at, at a place where services simply don't meet the need and thinks, well, I've got to do something about this, it's terrible. And uh, that was definitely my experience of, of trying to help my daughter through the, the whole medical system here in the UK. And uh, there were, in, from my view, massive shortcomings in the support there was for people. So I, I set out to do something about that. What kind of shortcomings are you talking about? Well, the, the whole medical model in this country is very restrictive. There's, a, there's an awful lot of things in all, for all sorts of diseases, but particularly in cancer. There's a lot of things that people can do outside of the NHS, but there's absolutely zero support for them, zero knowledge of them. Uh, zero interest in them even, but of course they're of massive interest to many people who have cancer. So they have to go it alone, basically, or they did have to until Yesterlife came along, and they had to do all the research themselves, which was a ridiculously onerous task for people who were up against the wall anyway. And furthermore, the, all the things that they would be looking at would be private medicine, which means they'd have to pay for them, which again, very onerous for an awful lot of people with cancer. Could you say a little bit more about, um, if you don't mind, about your own personal experiences? Sure, yeah. So uh, my daughter was diagnosed with cancer when she was nine, very young, and she had a very rare cancer in her leg, in a, a muscle tumour. And um, she was lucky to live through it because actually not long before that, kids of her age who got cancer, they all died. So, you know full marks to orthodox medicine, she didn't die within six months or something, which was would have been on the cards. Uh, she had a recurrence, radiotherapy-induced cancer, when she was 13, uh, and that involved more treatment, further surgery. She had her leg amputated at that point. And, um, but she was actually clear of cancer after that for maybe 10 years. and. Um, she had a good 10 years for her, it was great, but she had a, a second recurrence in her primary again. There wasn't a lot of hope in orthodox medicine, so I got out there, of course, to find out what else we could do. And uh, it had gone from like not much to being completely overwhelming. And I literally, I was sleeping two and a half hours a day in order to spend my whole time on the internet researching this stuff. and. You know, you come across yet another website which has got 30 different alternative approaches on it and you have to go through, well, I've heard of that one, yeah, okay, this one I've never heard of before, this one is nonsense. The, you know, you have to uh, sift through this stuff and try and find out, well, what's for real first, because there's plenty of stuff that's just not for real, it's a hoax. Um, what's relevant to this particular situation? What's affordable? Uh, you have to find out if there's anybody doing it anywhere, whether you have to go to Brazil to get it or something. You know, the, the, the number of questions that have to be answered is massive, 
and you have to become a mini expert on a particular kind of cancer at the same time, which is, you know, it's one of the most complex subjects and there's a, a broad disagreement about it anyway, you know. So, uh, yeah, having, having been through this whole journey of trying to sift through this complete overkill of data and uh, to work out what we could actually use to try and help Bryony, um, I realised that, well, this is untenable really. I mean, it, it, it was almost, I, I almost couldn't do it even though I was focusing all my efforts on it and I wasn't the person with cancer. So, you know, some people don't even have somebody else to do it for them. So people have neither got the resources or they haven't got the time even, you know, they need to act quite often, they've got a runaway situation, they need to know some answers quickly. So in a way that was the sing a single biggest need that needed to be addressed, I felt, and, uh, and I came to realise that that could happen, that, that people could get expert, expertly advised information, stuff that was actually uh, would shortcut this whole process and say, oh, no, forget all that lot, here, here's ten things which are worth looking at now, uh, this one will help with this, this one will help with that, and uh, then they can go away and work with that, make a quick decision and actually get on and do something constructive. Um, so, so in 2005 we got to work to set up Yes to Life. Um, it already existed in name as a fund to support my daughter's treatment, Yes to Life did, but we actually uh, became a charity and the first service we aimed to set up was a helpline service in order to answer this need, to uh, help callers to get to the information they needed as quickly as possible so as they could decide what to do and get on with it. And so being supplied some personalised information about what will, uh, is worth considering for you at your stage with your cancer, um, that's like gold dust. I would have given a lot for that, uh, you know, at the time that I needed it. So I think, you know, that I would say was the most important thing. You keep saying for them to consider, so you're not uh, telling people what to do. Absolutely not. That's not our role at all. Our role is there to, um, to inform people, to help people to make up their mind what they want to do, and then once they've done that, to support them in doing that. And so we're completely uh, non-judgmental about what that is. And uh, integrative medicine, which is the kind of umbrella term for what we're doing, it, uh, it includes an incredibly big spectrum, uh, you know, within what you might call a, an integrative path, you could have at one end of the spectrum somebody who uh, is doing everything that is recommended down at the hospital, but they would like some stuff to help them deal with the stress of it, so they want some massage and a bit of acupuncture or something on the side. And that is a use of integrative medicine, and uh, uh, because they've employed outside, you know, uh, resources that are not normally thought of as part of cancer care in this country. Uh, at the other end of the spectrum, you might have somebody who goes nowhere near the hospital, actually, and everything they do is, you know, private medicine, unorthodox treatment. And we also support somebody doing that as well. Those, uh, you know, uh, more normally, uh, most of the people are actually somewhere in the middle there. Most people are doing taking choices about what they do in the orthodox medicine, they're looking at it carefully and they don't necessarily do everything that's recommended and then they're doing a whole lot of other stuff as well which they've found out and uh, want to add into the mix. And uh, when, when people object to the fact that you know even though you obviously are a very intelligent man, very focused on this, very hard working about this, hugely motivated, nonetheless you're not a doctor. Yeah. Well, 
it's not peer-reviewed in that sense. I think you know one of the most important elements about some of these other options is they're always shot down for like, oh, where's the evidence? And the fact that there's a very stringent evidence base needed for a highly toxic chemotherapy has to be a good thing. I mean, it's corrupted very often, the evidence anyway, but that's, that's another story. But that's the way it should be, because this stuff can kill you. The fact that um, people are demanding that same kind of evidence for a nutritional approach is ridiculous because it's not going to kill anybody and uh, you know as I say most of um, integrative medicine is non-harmful and very only supportive. Uh, a very important part I would say of the work that we do as Yesterlife, we're not called Yesterlife for nothing you know, we uh, actually help an awful lot of people move from a state of hopelessness to one of hope. Actually there's a lot of science now behind the psychological, the relationship between the, the, the physical effects and your psychology. So it, hope is an inherent part of life. And if you don't have any, well, you're actually dying, I think, at that point already. So um, we do tease people back into finding a, a forward-looking sense of hope and by opening possibilities for them, which they didn't know about before, which can say, well, actually, uh, maybe that might help me. And, you know, I didn't know about that. These things immediately start the whole mechanism of looking forward again and, and seeing themselves in the future getting better, maybe. So uh, I think it, all of this is enormously important. And as I say, as has been scientifically now linked up, the link between things like that and your immune system is massive. They, they know that. You can depress your immune system quite quickly by making somebody hopeless. You know, that, that's a great way of doing it. So uh, for the first time now, we have a bit more seriousness around immunotherapy, um, which is good, I think, because of the fact that it acknowledges the, the, the problem is the immune system. Everybody has cancer to some level or another, but it's being dealt with all the time by a healthy immune system. We all have cancer. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it just means some cells that have you know, gone wrong a bit. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's happening all the time. That's part of the process of life. And we, but we've got this fabulous immune system that goes around cleaning it up, getting everything back right, healthy again, and uh, until it doesn't, of course, at some point, because we haven't given it a good enough nutrition, we've exposed it to far too many toxins, uh, we've uh, been overstressed, we've been depressed, you know, whatever it is, we've actually uh, damaged the function of our immune system in some way and opened the door to some of these guys getting away, basically, setting up shop somewhere. So, so um, there is in... in uh, pursuing immunotherapy as a way of treating cancer, there's a recognition that it is an immune problem and the immune system is actually the answer as well. And, uh, you know, I would say the lion's share of, of integrative medicine focuses on restoring the immune system because um, nearly all of the sort of orthodox attempts to kill cancer, they've always been uh, however sophisticated they are and however much they've cost, they've tended to be one single trick. We've got this really good weapon here and we're going to use it. It's going to be, you know, some of the most recent targeted therapies that cost £100,000 or something. Right, now we've got the exact target, we're going to hit it. And it does hit the target, but for how long? One month, two months, three months, and then it doesn't work anymore. Why? Because it's not clever enough. So the only thing that's actually ever been shown to be 
clever enough to keep ahead of cancer cells in their desire to mutate and get around anything we throw at them is the immune system. So how do we want to look at cancer, uh, controlling cancer? Let's work with the immune system. So that, that is a, a, a great step in the right direction. Yeah, so th this uh, addressing of the original problem is a lot of what a, a complementary alternative medicine has been doing all along. I don't say they've got all the answers, because they haven't. I mean, it's not like a complementary alternative medicine can fix every cancer patient any more than orthodox medicine can. But the, that whole way of thinking has led to ways of approaching cancer, which many of them apply to anybody who's got cancer. Not so what do you mean by the root then? Do you mean looking at the immune system or supporting the immune system um, or what do you mean? Well, there, there's a sort of chicken and egg argument that goes on where um, orthodox medicine knows there's this thing called the War Warburg effect, which Otto, should be said, Warburg, I believe. Um, he noticed this effect. Well, he got a Nobel Prize eventually for it, but they've still managed to ignore it largely, where he said that basically cancer is a, a metabolic problem. So something goes wrong in the metabolism, uh, cells start drawing their energy in the wrong way and producing their energy from sugar rather than from oxygen. And uh, he said that that is the single cause of cancer. Once that happens, you've got the cancer's process has started there. And um, if that's correct, then you can actually address that one problem by uh, starving cancer cells of sugar, for example, yeah? or forcing them to, uh, surrounding them with too much oxygen, which they don't particularly like because it's, that's not their milieu. Or the other thing you can do typically is you can, uh, they, a, a byproduct of their way of fermenting to get energy is that they, uh, they exist in a very acid milieu and they like that. So if you make your body very alkaline, they're actually very uncomfortable. So these three sort of fundamental strategies are kind of, they're, they're like, you know, the Bible of alternative medicine, if you like, for cancer. The, these are the things you will do. Always you'll start, you know, you lower your sugars, you'll increase your oxygen, and you'll make your body as alkaline as you can. Well, it's very heartening to hear a talk by Paul Davis, who is it was commissioned by the NCI in America to come in. He's a kind of the NCI, the National Cancer Institute. He's um, uh, a sort of world-class boffin, basically. He's a theoretical physicist. He works in astrophysics and all sorts of things. And they pulled him in specifically because he's nothing to do with cancer, but he's obviously a brilliant mind. And said, "Well, look, you know, we're not having so much success with cancer. Take a fresh look. Here's a few million dollars." Go off and take a fresh look at cancer and actually what's going on. And uh, what does he come up with? Well, you know, these three things. You know, these, this is, he comes up with what basically um, alternative medicine has been laughed at for working on for the last 50, 60 years or more. What's the next step for Yesterlife? Well, I think, you know, the, the environment in which we're operating is changing very quickly, I'm glad to say. We were very much outsiders uh, a decade ago, and I now feel that, um, you know, government policy for many years has headed towards things like patient choice and patient-centred care. It hasn't really shown up anywhere in the health service. Lots of people with jobs that say they're to do with patient choice, but actual patient choice has taken a long time to appear. Now, it's just beginning to make an appearance, this kind of... Uh, thing and the thinking that goes with it is also 
becoming much more common. And so suddenly I find that for Yes to Life, I'm talking to people within the health service about what we do and they like it. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, this is really new. You know, I actually feel suddenly we've moved from being outsiders to being cutting edge, actually, because we're doing the thing that everybody's trying to do, which is to empower people to, to be out there making their own decisions, self-managing, looking after themselves. That's what we do already. We've been doing it for years. So we have experience in an area which the health service is just beginning to get interested in. So I think we're, we're sort of kind of poised now. We're, the word about the charity is going out very quickly now with social media. People are telling each other about the charity. Uh, there's a slightly scary demand, which is rising, of course, at the same time uh, as more and more people approach us for help. But I'm quite bullish about the fact that, you know, the support for what we do is equally growing. And we're just beginning to talk to some people who are, uh, you know, can much more see who we are and what we're doing and what a difference uh, our service can make to people. And so I hope we'll be able to, to roll it out much further and faster now. We've got uh, many things that we're involved in which uh, uh, will get our name out still further, this being one of them. We've got uh, a, a book which is um, about to hit the stands in April and uh, this uh, actually outlines the whole of um, uh, integrative medicine for cancer, basically all the different strands that are worth considering, you know, who, who to go to, why they're important, and there are 38 different expert contributors in this book who've all given their content freely. So the book is in aid of Yesterlife, that's why it's got us on the front, but uh, it's actually written by, say, 30 different, 38 different international experts. And uh, I hope that's going to be a fantastic resource for the public, but also it puts us on the map as being the people who are doing it as well. So I hope we will get, be in a position in a couple of years' time where we'll be much more of a household name. People will much more readily think of coming to us the day they're diagnosed, which it is happening more and more now, rather than when they've given up on everything else. And uh, that, you know, through that, we'll, we'll also have the resources to help m very many more people to make some really good choices for themselves. Mm -hmm.